Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam and I want to welcome you to another Eye Clarity Podcast. So today's show is a little out there. I gave a patient a session and the reason why she contacted me is that she uh, was having some trauma, emotional trauma related to her vision And a little backstory about her, she took one of my workshops, was an online workshop during COVID, and one of the modalities I used was continuum movement. This is a movement modality. It was started by my mentor, Emily Conrad. She's not alive anymore. Anyway, uh, it's a really profound therapy. I would say what's closest to it is craniosacral therapy. And those of you that don't know about craniosacral, I would go on my website and I would look at some of the videos I've done on craniosacral. Basically, it's working with the fluid body. And, you know, as adults were 70% fluid, as infants were 90% fluid. And one of the reasons why we go through an aging process on a cellular level is that we lose our fluidity. Why we lose our fluidity? Well, it's diet, stress, inflammation, oxidative stress, and repetitive movements, repetitive thinking. So in this session, uh, which I, I cut out my patient's uh, part of it because I wanted to respect her privacy, but I talk about how trauma affects our vision, and we go at it, first of all, from a Chinese medicine or acupuncture perspective. And in the first part, I talk about the relationship between our internal organs and our eyes, the meridians, and how each part of the eye anatomy is affected by certain organs. Another thing I go into is the relationship between the eyes and our bones in the face, our fascia. She had a concern about her sinuses. That's one of the reasons why she contacted me. So I talk about the relationship between craniosacral therapy and vision. And then I give two practices, physical therapy exercises, that help improve the visual system, and also stimulate the acupuncture meridians and the craniosacral system. It's kind of a all-in-one. It's something that I learned as I was going through my continuum movement training. So it's an interesting show. There's a lot of different ideas that I talk about. So I'm putting this up as a podcast just as a kind of a context. Philosophically, some of the the bigger macro things that I think about when I'm either teaching or working with a patient.
So I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. So with the uh, terror, um, the, the main meridian is the kidney meridian as it relates to the eyes. Actually, with the eye and kidneys, um, it's also the pupil. The pupil is the part of the eye that is the gatekeeper that allows light in and out. Okay. And so with your acupuncturist, there are a couple of points I would uh, have them, you know, check. The first would be the kidney. The second would be the lungs. So in the, in the eye, the lungs are related to the white part, the covering of the eye called the sclera. Okay. And um, a lot of times the kidneys and the lungs may go together. Now the lungs are more related to grief, but you know, there may be some of that around your grandmother and you know, just that, that was a challenging relationship. So what I'm referring to here emotionally is that grief is very connected to our lungs. So if you're grieving or you're sad, it is going to affect your respiratory system, at least from a standpoint of Chinese medicine. And in this relationship that she was referring to, we were talking about the kidneys, which is fear, and we're talking about the lungs, which is more grief. And these are things that her acupuncturist could help her release. So that's what that reference is. So I finish up the Chinese medicine acupuncture discussion by talking about the relationship between other organ systems and the cornea, the retina. So this is an interesting relationship part of the podcast. And then with the cornea, that's the clear surface of the front of the eye. We see through the window. And that's that's the first place we meet others. It's a very vulnerable, intimate place. So the cornea and the colored part of the eye, the iris, that's related to liver, the liver meridian. So you would want to have the acupuncturist check the liver and then finally, the ret retina, which is the back part of the eye, the two uh, organs that most influence the retina are the kidney and the liver. So those would be some places where I would consider starting as it is with, with, the, um, you know, with the meridians as it relates to the eyes. Okay. So do you have any questions or do you need me to elaborate more on the, I'll, ta I'll talk about the sinuses in a minute. Okay, so let's go to the sinus area and I'm going to bring in cranio, craniosacral therapy. So in the, um, in the eye, the main eye bone, which we talked about before, is the sphenoid. And there's a kind of an aspect that is behind, this is all behind the eye. And there are a lot of bones that sit in front of the sphenoid bone. But the thing about the sphenoid bone is that it has this freedom of motion where it can go into a flexion and an extension. And what this does is this starts to affect the sinuses 
and the facial bones. Okay. And one of the most famous bones in uh, the floor of the eye orbit is called the maxillary bone. And when this is locked in, it compresses the eye tissue and it starts to affect the cheekbones. We call that the zygomatic. It also will uh, stop the movement of the of the sphenoid, and it starts to press in on the sinuses. And this is very much related to uh, trauma. So what's happening is that there are these nerves that are right there where the bones are. We have the cranial nerve three, cranial nerve four, and cranial nerve six. All those uh, three nerves, they control the eye muscles. There's six eye muscles. And what the uh, what the the compression of the sinus does is it interferes with those cranial nerves being able to move the eyes and it creates almost like a a eye strain that will it can show up in the sinus it can show up in the eyes it can show up in the jaw sometimes but the best way to relieve that is to get some some cranial work that brings more movement to the sphenoid the maxillary bone and then ultimately the facial bones and that's going to release those three cranial nerves to work better with the eye muscles and it's also going to help with your sinuses so that you see, if you stay in this kind of lockdown pattern, mm-hmm. it's going to lead to uh, inflammation mm-hmm. and it's going to affect your breathing. It's going to affect your eyesight for sure. And eventually it's going to affect the brain. So that, you know, can cause things like brain fog, dizziness, you know, it kind of starts to affect our our orientation, and our spatial understanding. So it's so interrelated. And then what happens is if it gets frozen, there becomes this uh, twist in the face, and that's the beginning of astigmatism. Which I have a so little bit. Yeah, I do have some. You have a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that astigmatism is a, is a twist either in the body which informs the eye to twist, or it's in the eye and it informs the body. And of course, then when you wear a prescription that has astigmatism, this can lead to things like blurry vision, double vision, and uh, you know, eye strain, eye pain, stuff like that. So, and so then you bring in the, the, the breath work and that's a way, one way for you to begin to interface with it. I'm going to show you a practice today, however, that could be very helpful in getting the sphenoid bone moving and also the cervical spine. Okay. Uh, because we didn't talk about the neck, but 
the cervical spine, when the, the bones back there get compressed, it starts to create eye stress. And of course, mm-hmm. that's going to affect the, the sphenoid and the Um, Let me just tell you too, like 10 years ago, I don't know if I mentioned this last time we spoke, but I started getting trained in Alexander technique. Very good. And um, so since with that training, I had a lot of um, hands on on myself. And so I also released a lot of muscle tension patterns with that training, Um, the neck, everything. You know, and I've also, <laughs> I've also had three car accidents. So every time I've had one, I've gotten deeper into my body. So. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. Exactly. So the, 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 the thing here is that um, I want to make sure all your questions are answered. And then the key thing is the um Self-regulation, how well can you regulate yourself? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something that I want to teach you today. And um, because if you can develop that self-regulation, then it's almost like you can do craniosacral and acupuncture on yourself. Okay, so the, I'm going to show you two processes today. And the first one is uh, very simple. It's going to involve some type of light touch. We could call it Reiki. And we're going to combine that with sound. So you're going to be making some sound. Now, sound is one of the best ways to loosen up the sphenoid, the sinus. It it works. Sound works very well, especially when you yourself is directing the sound and your hands are going to be like your tuning forks. So the sound is going to travel through your hands to the eyes and around the sinuses. And uh, that's going to also improve your breathing. It's probably going to make the breathing deeper and longer and slower. Uh, so it's a, re- it's a regulation, regulating practice. So it's called the palm hum. We're going to do it together. So you can take your glasses off. You don't need to see me clearly. And I'd like you to just take your tuning forks, which are your hands, and I want you to rub them together for about 10 seconds. You're only going to do this one time. And then you're going to take the palms and you're going to cover your eyes and your eyes are closed. And what you're going to do is you're going to take a normal, easy breath in through your nose And on the exhale, you're going to keep your mouth closed. And I want you to make a low, pretty loud humming sound so I can hear you. So when you're ready, I'd like you to do one of those. But just keep your hands over your eyes with your eyes closed. And let's do one together. Okay. Ready? So rub your hands together. I'm going to do it with you. Cover your eyes. Your eyes are closed. You're going to take a normal, nice, easy breath in through the nose. On the exhale, keep your mouth closed so you're containing the sound into your face. Do it again. Same thing. 
Again. Mm, makes me cry. Okay. So if you want to stop, you can. And you can just drop your hands, but keep your eyes closed. And just track inside of yourself something, some you're sensing, something you're noticing. Keep your eyes closed and maybe give it a name or give it a description as you, as you feel into it. All right, this next exercise I talk about is the tongue clock exercise. This is on my website, uh, part of my 90-day iClarity program. And I talk about the tongue clock. We're doing two meridians, the governing vessel and the conception vessel. And we're also talking about how this exercise can stimulate the craniosacral system, the cervical spine. And so it's kind of a very efficient way to stimulate both acupuncture and craniosacral. Let me explain the tongue exercise. So I'm glad this is being recorded because when you take your tongue and you put it on the inside part of the upper lip, you are activating an acupuncture meridian called the governing vessel. And that's a yang meridian that runs between your two eyes, up the nose, around the back, all the way down through your perineum, your first chakra, and then up into the kind of below the belly button, hara center. So that's a that's a acupuncture point that's very primary. So you're activating your yang meridian when you place your tongue there and you make that humming sound. At the same token, when you take your tongue and put it on the lower part of the, uh, of the lip, the lip, that's called the conception vessel. That's the yin meridian. And that one runs right down the middle of your body through your, through your respiratory system, your digestion, and it meets up with the governing vessel. Okay. So you're you're doing some acupuncture there where you're opening the meridians of the major meridians of the body, the governing yang, conception yin, when you place your tongue there and you make the sound. So instead of using a needle or a acupressure, you're doing kind of acupressure with the sound, it can activate and open both meridians. The other thing that happens is when you press on that upper lip, inside part of the upper lip, you are spreading cervical spine one, two, three, four, the bones in the back. So that's the craniosacral part of this. So the upper lip is C1 to C4, and the lower lip is C4 to C7. So when you press, you're spreading the cervical bones, which is great for your sinuses and your eyes. Okay. It's going to bring more circulation, 
like you say, it's going to bring more color. So let's say you decide that you want to do that tongue exercise. I like to do upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. I like to do three rounds of it. And then I like to rest. I go into what we call open attention. So after I do it, I just kind of sit and or you could do it lying down and I just follow my sensations. I follow if my body wants to move, shake, whatever. And uh, this would be one of those self-regulation exercises. Now, the first one we did, the palm hum, that was very emotional for you because I think it really started to move some of your energy. Yeah. What I'd like you to do with that one is to do six hums on the exhale and then... Again, with your eyes closed, you can just drop your hands. You can go into a uh, open attention again, and that could be a way for you to release trauma. could be really good for you through the eyes. In this next excerpt, I talk about my friendship with Emily Conrad, the founder of Continuum Movement, quite a visionary. And when I was training with Emily, we talked a lot about how the eyes relate to the body. And of course, we're working with the somatic awareness, body awareness. So I share a little bit of what I went through in developing my current treatment modalities. When I, when I studied with Emily, she was intrigued by the vision process. She was very big on it. Because the eyes are, are one of the earliest tissues that starts developing. So it's very primordial. It's also because it's so connected prenatally. Mm -hmm. It brings us back to that, you know, that nine-month experience. So there's the primordial anatomy. Then we have the cultural anatomy. That's all the stuff that we have to do to kind of fit in the culture. And then there's the cosmic anatomy, which is related to our species inclusivity. In other words, the more slowed down our system becomes, the more it spreads. I'm talking the tissue. Right. And when we really spread like that and slow down, a lot of times those traumas release and instead of yes. referring to our history as a way to orient, we are much more connected to the, the bigger, whether it's I'm connecting to the trees, the flowers, the animals, the cosmos. Um, and it's, it's a way that trauma can be released from the body and one of the scientists who's now working very closely in continuum movement is a, a man named Stephen Porges. And Dr. Porges came up with something called the polyvagal theory. And in that particular discovery that Dr. Porges has written about, he talks about the evolution of our nervous system. Hmm. There's many aspects of it. And the vagus nerve. 
polyvagal, vagal. And it's a very complicated theory, but part of it has to do with that we start off with a reptilian type response, and then we might move into a mammalian response. This is our nervous system evolution. And then finally, we move into an empathic response. And the eyes, from my perspective, are one of the most primary senses, especially as an infant. We're making mm-hmm. eye contact. We're bonding. Mm-hmm. And gestation, birth, and bonding are three imprints that really affect our visual development. Now, when we talk about vision, we're really talking about the brain because the eyes are the only part of the brain outside of the cranium. If we talk about craniosacral. And there have been a number of studies that show that the more uh, you're able to get the cerebral spinal fluid activating, that's going to help the eyes and the sinuses. I mean, there's so many angles to it. But uh, Dr. Porge has worked a lot with Emily. He's now working still with continuum movement because he has done a lot of things in trauma. And then how do you how do you heal the trauma? There are lots of ways, but continuum movement is one of those possible modalities because you're regulating yourself okay like you did you did two sounds and you said you know it's getting emotional for me that's enough we did went into open attention and you were able to integrate that stimulation right so that's the beauty of it you're not depending on some authority figure saying do this or do that or come and do my you know my method and they're blind to your responsiveness. But, you know, as you become more adept at regulating your responsiveness, you're going to able to navigate through this trauma. And I do think a lot of the I stuff is a place where you've internalized it. Absolutely. But it's coming out. And so the palm hum and the tongue clock uh, work very well for the eyes and also to help you learn about self-regulation. And it isn't just the nervous system, but it's the fluid body. It's what comes before the nervous system in our evolutionary development. That's why, you know, I, I work with a lot of traumatic brain injury. When I work with rehab therapists, they, they're very much in the nervous system model. And I have to kind of remind them that, well, no, let's go to continuum or cranial because the fluid system arrives much sooner. And that's where sometimes those imprints are. So if you work in the nervous system level, you're not going to get to uh, the, the deepest core trauma patterns. In this next excerpt, I talk about ways to organically be able to release trauma in the body. And it's the way we move, the way we think, and it's outside our normal mainstream ideas. So the ways to uh, kind of begin to unfreeze it would be to think and move like an octopus. In other words, spiral movements, wave motion, pulsating movements, 
anything that's not repetitive, that gives your body the freedom to go into its impulse. I want to shake here. I want to move here. And, you know, obviously during the day when we're in our fetch wood, carry water, you know, environment, it's a little harder to do. But to set the time aside for you to start to do some sound and notice your breathing, follow that, and maybe eventually inv- invite and it's a slow movement. It isn't necessarily fast. It's slow. And also, some of the movements can be micro-movements. Okay. So it doesn't need to be big movements, but it could be big and slow. But think spiral. Think wave motion. Think pulsating. That's what, that's what the language that fluid thrives in. And, you know, you're right about we're all frozen in our fluid body. I mean, digital time, mm-hmm. fitness, religion, healthcare, family origins, you know, tribalism. All of those things have reduced our ability to stay in our fluid body. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's becoming harder and harder to do. You know, I used to take people on retreats where we would do dolphin swims, first in um, Bimini in the Bahamas, then Hawaii, and uh, the dolphins were continuum. We would go in the water and we would do continuum with them. And, you know, we're from the, the ocean. That's where we originate. But life on land, we had to learn to stabilize when we walked, and this creates that that structure, but the structure becomes inhibiting and it shuts down our fluid body. You know, in the eye world, a lot of the reasons why people have eye problems is their fluid in their in their eyes has gone away. Hmm. And so, so sound is important. The breath is important and the movement is important. And it needs to be whole body movement. And it needs to be movement that's not choreographed like an up, down, in, out. Right. So, you know, if you have been exposed at all to the continuum movement philosophy, it's a fabulous philosophy to live from. Just through you. I never heard of it before you. Oh, before me. Oh, wow. Now, okay. I, well, I, I participated in one of your vision um, weekends a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. the, the thing is that, um, you know, it's it's a bit esoteric. It's a, it's a little bit outside the norm because, you know, even things like yoga to some, to some degree and some of even those modalities, um, it can get kind of you know, up, down, in, out, even mm-hmm. Pilates, you know, and I do Pilates, but I have to bring my continuum uh, consciousness to it because, you know, you work with springs and you're back and forth and it's good. It gives you some flexibility, but you need to com- flex- complexify that movement 
in a way that is, uh, how can we say, enriching, that's thriving, that's, um, you know, that's giving us more nutrients. You, the, the, the more you connect to your fluidity, that's the medicine. So in this last point, the fluid is the medicine. If you think about our blood, our cerebral spinal fluid, the fluid in our fascia and our connective tissue, that when we return to our fluidity, we can thrive. And that's the point that I was making. So that's our show for today. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.